At 12.05, an amazing, simply beautiful Sunday morning. You know, we spent the last three hours, you and I, trying to, uh, you know, cut wires, pull microphones, lift up the console, try to take everything outside. Didn't work. No, it didn't. No. We made a mess, but uh, we're stuck in studio looking out a very nice window at a beautiful uh, sunny day. A good day where you imagine people would be out uh, running, jogging, rollerblading, biking, even driving, right? Taking the top down, going for rips. So there's all kinds of things going to be happening this weekend, not to mention... All the stuff with the transportation back and forth, the cottage country happening on uh, Thursday, Friday, and then again on Monday night. So it'll be uh, an interesting show today as we inform you all about injury law. And I wanted to uh, mention right off the top, you want to get a hold of Savannah anytime. You heard him give the number, 416-216-5910. You can do help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email questions. And as always, we take your calls on the air, 416-870-6400. Star 640 on sale right here at the radio station. Now we start each show with injury calculator because this is uh, getting some momentum, yeah? Yes, it is, John. It's getting a lot of momentum. This is a a, a very uh, interesting tool that we developed uh, over the last year. And we spoke about it quite a few times now over uh, you know the course of a few uh, of a few months. And it, what it is is uh, it's it's a it's a tool on the web uh, where people can go and for free uh, input a little bit of information uh, about their accident, their injuries, and then get a ballpark, a range mm-hmm. of what their pain and suffering compensation would be. In other words, what they would be entitled to under Canadian law. And again, it's anonymous, it's free, takes about 30 seconds, you can run through it, injurycalculator.ca, it's accurate. And what do I mean by accurate? I mean that it's based on a survey of Canadian cases, literally across the country, yep. uh, that my team and I have gone through and, and have tried to put together this, this database that allows people to determine mm-hmm. if they had a claim for, for a, like a, a personal injury claim uh, for, for a bad back as a result of an accident, uh, you know, a, a broken leg, a torn shoulder, typical things that we see in, in the personal injury world, they'd be able to get a range, an assessment of what they could potentially be entitled to. Uh, you, you talked about uh, you know things you'd be entitled to after running through the app, uh, such as what income loss, rehab care. What else you got? No, this specifically deals with pain and suffering, right. which is what most people are really mm-hmm. focused on. But that's a very good point, John, because when people come to me, oftentimes they're really focused on the pain and suffering. You know, I was in a car accident a year ago. Uh, my back still hurts. I had whiplash. I, I'm, I'm not at 100%. Maybe with some rehab, I'm now at 50%. But I have this chronic issue with my back, with my neck, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps my shoulder. Something you know is, is still going on. And they want to know, what am I entitled to potentially if I start a claim? And uh, I have to go through the analysis with them and explain that we're not just dealing with pain and suffering. Yes, you are entitled to that. You're going to get that from the insurance company. But what about the other components of compensation? What if you haven't been able to go back to work full-time? What if you have been able to go to, uh, back to work full-time, but you're on modified duties and are now less competitive in the workplace than other people? What if you had two jobs before and now you can only do one job? So, you know, we have to account for that. And, and that you cannot really create a, a, a calculator no. that will give you that because it's extremely case-specific. But people assume that the pain and suffering is the largest component, and that's not always the case. Not right? at all. Not right. at all. I mean, you can have a situation where, let's say you have, uh, like I said, ongoing chronic back pain. Uh, and uh, let's say that you would be entitled to forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 for pain and suffering. Okay. But let's say that you are 40 years old and as a result of this accident, you haven't been able to go back to your full-time hours and you're losing, let's say, $10,000 a year 
uh, on average. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're 40 years old, let's project that forward for the next 25 years, right. 30 years. Again, it's not a simple calculation because sure. we have to look at a lot of different components. But just you know, do the math just like that. You're dealing with you know six figures, seven figures potentially uh, as as a total compensation for for a particular injury. I want to get to a quick email before our first break. This one comes from Jessica from Barry. Emailed in at help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Says my 19 year old son was involved in a serious car crash six months ago. He was diagnosed with a brain injury and has had issues with focus and concentration. His school year has been affected, and uh, he keeps going for assessments. Jessica says our lawyer says that we have to wait at least a year to see if he gets any better before we start a claim against the person who crashed into him. I don't understand why we are waiting. Can we do anything now? So a car crash six months ago, 19-year-old kid. Yeah, Jessica, I actually get a lot of these kinds of emails, obviously different fact scenarios. Uh, but I, I, since we started the show October of last year, John, I've been getting a lot of uh, queries from people who have lawyers, who have paralegals, and some people who represent themselves, who are trying to represent themselves. Mm. And I always tell people that's a bad idea to do that. Uh, but I, 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 I get these emails and phone calls, and it's the same things that I hear over and over. You know, I, I've hired someone, but nothing is really happening. Uh, there is no, uh, there, there are no updates. Uh, you know, the claim is at a standstill. Let's hurry up and wait. It, yeah. yeah, exactly. And there is no reason for that, really. I mean, when, when a lawyer tells you that you have to wait about a year or so, there is no rule that says that you have to wait a year before you start a claim for an injury. What's happening, uh, and the reason why many lawyers and paralegals say that is because they want to see what happens with your injury. They want to see if you heal 100% uh, or or sufficiently enough to warrant a claim in the first place. And, and, you know, the problem is that this approach uh, is is very conservative, which which is okay in some claims. I mean, if you're dealing with a case where it's a fender bender and really you're not dealing with significant injuries, Mm -hmm. yes, I would say let's take a wait-and-see approach. But if we're dealing in a case like this, that Jessica is emailing us yeah. about, 19-year-old kid, we're talking about diagnosis of a brain injury? No, you start a claim now. This is going to be a permanent injury. Every minute that we lose now is a minute that is delaying an eventual compensation. We'll take a short break. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. you got questions for Zan. We, uh, we got them right till, uh, till 1 o'clock, so that's the way to do it. Help with the insurance lawyer.ca, and make sure you check out injurycalculator.ca as well. More of the insurance and injury law show right here, coming up on Talk Radio, AM 640. 12-14 on an excellent Labor Day long weekend, or Labor Day, not, sorry, no, no, it's not that summer's not, not over. Quite, it's Victoria no. Day weekend. Gosh, I almost blew off the whole summer. Uh, we're going to get to some questions here, uh, just uh, some miscellaneous questions about insurance and injury law. But first, this last few weeks, you've been hearing a lot in the news about people getting struck, pedestrians, I mean, by cars, other vehicles. What's up with that? Yeah, that's unfortunately something that we keep hearing, and, and yeah. it seems like these incidents are increasing in, in frequency. Uh, so just a few things for people out there to know. Uh, if you're a driver or if you're a pedestrian, I mean, clearly as a pedestrian, make sure that uh, you cross a street where you're supposed to cross the street. If there is an accident and you didn't cross the street where you were supposed to, that is going to be taken into account uh, if, in fact, you start a claim for your injuries. Uh, but there is an interesting thing uh, in the law. There's an interesting principle or, or um, legislation that we have that says that if you have a pedestrian versus auto uh, accident, okay. unlike in the usual circumstances where... You know, if I'm in a car and you're in a car and I hit you, I'm negligent. Right. In this case, uh, the law says that if you are a pedestrian and you were hit by a car, automatically it's assumed that the car driver is at fault for the accident. Right. So you have to show as the car driver that you are not at fault. It's called a reverse onus. You don't have, I don't have the onus of proving that you're at fault. You have the onus of proving that you're not at fault. 
And that's very, very important because it makes these kinds of claims easier to deal with whenever we're dealing with a pedestrian who's struck by a car. Uh, you know, the other thing uh, to, to keep in mind is that even as a pedestrian, remember we talk about how if there's a car involved, you could be entitled to accident benefits. So let's say, John, you're walking down the street, uh, you're crossing the road where you're supposed to, there's a car that hits you. What do you do now in terms of, uh, you know, you're, you're not able to go to work, for example, who's, right. pay, who's paying for those income replacement benefits? Well, if you have your own auto insurance, even though you were a pedestrian at the time, you're going to get those benefits from your insurance company. You're still going to be able to claim pain and suffering and all these other types of claims that we talked about before against the driver of the vehicle. Okay. Uh, and their insurance is going to deal with it. But in terms of benefits like rehab, uh, medication, things you may need day to day like that, mm-hmm. uh, your own insurance is going to pay. But what happens, John, if you don't have auto insurance? Yeah, say I don't drive. I never have driven. I'm just, a, you know, I use bus and, and I walk. Exactly. Well, in that case... It's the other, well, not the other, but the driver's insurance company that's going to pick up uh, for those benefits. They're going to have to pay for those medications, rehab, income replacement. So you're going to have two claims effectively against the the insurance company Mm -hmm. of the driver who hit you. You're going to be able to claim accident benefits, income replacement, medications, all that kind of stuff. And you're going to be able to make a claim against the driver and against that insurance company for pain and suffering, uh, inability to work and things like that. Have you defended drivers in this situation before? Yes. So it's, I mean, you say the onus, reverse onus, uh, right away it's assumed it's the fault of the driver. So you're a driver, I'm driving along, and some moron just steps off a curb in front of me. Obviously, it's not my fault. I can't stop in time and nail the guy. Right. How difficult is it to prove that is the pedestrian's fault because automatically it's assumed it's mine. It's very specific to the case. Uh, I mean, we, we usually look at what the police says uh, in, the pro, in, the, in the police records, uh, police um, uh, report, uh, the, the notes of the officers that were on scene. You may have some witnesses. Uh, maybe we're lucky and this was an intersection uh, where you had cameras on, on buildings nearby. And, and believe it or not, that's happened before where there's been a dispute as to what exactly transpired. And we found that there was a camera uh, that captured the incident. And of course, that told us exactly what happened. So, yeah, I mean, as a driver, you have to be very vigilant because if you do strike a pedestrian, uh, clearly you're going to have to tell your insurance company mm-hmm. But a claim may arise out of that, and you're going to have to show or prove that you were not negligent. If it's determined that it's now the pedestrian's fault, uh, but both uh, the pedestrian's injured, and I've got a little bit of damage to my car, who gets paid for what? How, who makes a claim on what? For, let's start with the pedestrian. What do they do? It's my fault. I stepped out. I was on my cell phone. I got, I got clipped, and now I'm injured. I can't work. Okay. As, 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 a, pedest- yep. as a pedestrian. Okay. So, well, in, in that situation, uh, even if you're at fault, remember that accident benefits, like let's say you can't go to work mm-hmm. and you need to, to have income replacement benefits or you need uh, physiotherapy, sure. uh, chiropractic, all that kind of stuff, you are going to be able to claim that either through your own auto insurance, okay, even if you're a pedestrian, if you have auto insurance. If you don't, again, you can claim that against the insurance company of the guy who hit you. Even, even if it's my fault. Absolutely. Because Brutal. Those are called no-fault benefits. Ah. And they're, they're there for a reason. They're yep. there as a safety net to make sure that even if you're at fault, you paid for insurance, or if you're a pedestrian, you didn't pay for insurance, but the system wants to make sure the legislation is there to protect you in the event that uh, you know, you do need those benefits. Mm-hmm. And now the uh, driver, not his fault, quickly before we break, 
can't, damage gets paid by his insurance company. Yeah? If we're dealing with a property damage, whenever, no. whenever you, yeah, yeah, yes, the insur- his insurance company is going to be paying for that. And depending on the circumstances, that they may actually go after the pedestrian for damage. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. I love this stuff. Uh, 416-216-5910 is Savan's direct number. You can also email us. We'll get to more of those a little later in the show. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. And when you're online, check out www.injurycalculator.ca. Uh, injury more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up right here. Talk Radio, AM 640. Email questions as well are welcome. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and online to www.injurycalculator.ca. You're uh, suffering from something, you want a ballpark, and you're pain and suffering. It's a really, really cool tool, right? Absolutely. Um, we'll get to that, uh, talk more about that in a little while. And we want to talk about, uh, seeing this in the news as well, I think there was a recent article out of Calgary, and uh, we're talking about pit bull bites. I'm not talking about Mr. 305. I'm talking about, like, pit bulls, <laughs> the dogs, right? That's right. Uh, this has been happening quite a bit. Now, how, how does this pertain or how does this relate to injury law? Well... This is something we see quite often uh, as, as um, uh, summer, good weather comes mm-hmm. in. You know, people go out more often with their dogs, more frequently, and a lot of times they will uh, unleash them. And what we see are, are incidents uh, where dogs are attacking other dogs, other people, children. They're not like muzzled. That. They're not muzzled. And, you know, what people need to understand is that if your dog attacks somebody else's property, um, or, or another pet or another person, okay. you are automatically at fault. What does that mean? It means that in Ontario, we have uh, a law called uh, the Dog Owners Liability Act. You can Google that, Dog Owners Liability Act. Right. Go to Section 2. Section 2 specifically states that the owner of a dog is liable for damages resulting from a bite or attack by the dog on another person or domestic animal. What does that mean? It means that... Y- y- if your dog attacks someone, you can't say, I wasn't at fault or I took precautions. You are automatically at fault. And what does that mean again? It means that you are liable to pay damages. Who would even try not to say they're at fault if my dog attacked you? Of course I'm at fault. Well, sometimes you would No-brainer. Well, you would think perhaps that your dog is well-trained. You, you think right. that, you know, this never happened before. It doesn't matter. Under this law, uh, and it doesn't matter if we think the law is correct or it's not correct, should be changed or not. It doesn't matter. If you have a dog and that dog attacks another pet uh, or, or a human being, you're going to be at fault. Now, if that happens and, and there's a claim against you, you should be notifying your home insurance. Okay. I Believe was just not, about to ask you Your that. home insurer is going to be responding to the claim. Now, conversely, if you were attacked by a dog, uh, if, if you had a pet that was attacked by another dog, you should be, uh, or I'm not going to say you should be, but you are able then to advance a claim against that individual who owns that dog. And their home, their insurance, home insurance, right? Their home insurance is going to be responding to the claim. But something very, very important people to understand that uh, it's 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 a strict liability test, meaning that you can't say, you know, I have an excuse for this. I have a reason uh, that would justify. He was me tormenting not. my dog, so you that's why he that. attacked. No, right. no, you can't say that. You're yeah. automatically at fault if your dog attacks another human being in Ontario or another pet. And there's no muzzling laws. Uh, not as far as I know. I mean, listen, it, if, if, if your dog is known to be the type of, uh, of a breed, perhaps, that, uh, that does attack uh, or has a propensity to attack, mm-hmm. it's a, probably a good idea to, uh, to muzzle your dog when you go outside. I mean, just common sense. Uh, but I'm not aware of any, any specific loss to that effect. Get to some uh, questions here. Um, how about this? If you're, you're in a car accident and you're driving 
without insurance. We know this happens all the time. In fact, we would probably be alarmed to see the number of drivers on the road that don't have insurance. But can you still make a claim for compensation against whoever was at fault for the accident? No, you can't. You can't. And that's, wow. again, that's something very important. Other than the fact that you should have insurance because, again, it's common sense. And you're going to be charged. You're going to get a ticket. Uh, other things are going to flow from that. No, if you are injured in a car accident and you did not have insurance at the time when you were driving, you cannot make a claim for pain and suffering as a result of your injuries from the accident. What can you do? What's your option? Uh, you don't really have an option vis-a-vis the other driver, right? I mean, that's it, it's it's a punitive type of... Uh, um, of, of legislation that we have there to, to really give another reason for people to carry insurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly, again, other than the fact that you should have insurance because you may need to have your car repaired, uh, you, you may be sued in the event that you caused the accident and now somebody else is claiming pain and suffering. And I see that too, by the way. I, I'll have people calling me and saying, you know, I didn't have insurance at the time. Uh, the police said it was my fault. I was charged. What do I do now? You know, I'm being... I'm being sued for a million bucks. And I tell them, well, my first question to them is, do you have any assets? Do you have a house? Do you have a car? Because now all that is exposed. All that is now on the line in the event that the claim against you succeeds. Let me ask you this, though, and this happens, I imagine, all the time. You hear this not only uh, being a lawyer, but you're in a car crash and uh, you're either injured, maybe shocked. For whatever reason, the drivers fled the scene and you were not able to get his contact info. Uh, can you still be compensated? What do you do? What's the next step? You can, and that, again, does happen. And I've had cases in the past where, uh, actually, one comes to mind a few years back where my lady, who uh, was re-rendered from the back, she was hit really, really hard by another car, and she lost consciousness. And when she came around to it, uh, you know, the police were there, the, the paramedics were there, the other driver was not there. There were no witnesses. There was significant damage to her car. And then she came to me and said, well, what can I do here? Uh, and, and that's one of the good things, again, about having your own insurance uh, in that uh, every standard automobile policy in Ontario contains uh, a, um, a, a, a certain section. It's called an OPCF44R. Uh, it's called the Family Protection Plan. What is that? Mm-hmm. That's a safety net. It means that if there is someone who was responsible for the accident where you were injured and, the, and, and that person is unidentified, they fled the scene. Or perhaps there was somebody there who, you know, struck you and they had no insurance. Right. So they were, so were uninsured. Or perhaps they had minimum insurance. They were underinsured. Your own insurance policy, that OPCF uh, 44R, uh, that is triggered. What does that mean? It means that now you can make a claim against your own insurance company as though you're making that claim against whoever was at fault. So if you're injured in an accident person flees the scene, yep. Happens all you the don't time. have their contact info, you can still make the same claim you would have been able to make against them, now against your insurance company. If I was in a car accident and the police didn't come for whatever reason, maybe not enough damage, maybe it wasn't a, you know, a big enough accident, should I, should I report, go to a collision center every time? Uh, you should. I, I generally yeah. tell people, look, I mean, if there's absolutely no damage and, and there is no, no one is injured, then what's the point? I mean, what's the point of reporting? You're probably going to stand in line. Uh, depending oh, on the time brutal. of year. They are also, winter time, those reporting centers are crazy. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And because, I mean, we, we don't have a lot of them around. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I know you should, especially if there is significant damage and the, the police didn't come. Uh, if you're feeling, um, you know, like your, your neck is hurting, your back, mm-hmm. any types of injuries uh, that you think... Um, yeah, you have sustained or perhaps people in your car have sustained or even people in the other car that was involved sustained, you should be reporting this, if not to the police, to a collision center. Very important because that creates a document, a record that we can That's then key, go back right? to 
if yeah. a claim arises, yes. Take a short break. In the meantime, Savan's number, write this down, 416-216-5910. Email questions, we'll get to one. Uh, Sandra will read your email. Right after break, that e- uh, email address is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And anytime you want to have a look at pain and suffering numbers, what you might be in for, a great, wonderful bar po- a ballpark and a tool is injurycalculator.ca. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up right here on Talk Radio, AM640. You can email us as well, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and check out injurycalculator.ca anytime you got the uh, the computer open or the uh, laptop or whatever. Uh, we'll get to an email from Sandra uh, writes in from Richmond Hill says I have a lawyer representing me for a car accident that happened four months ago. My lawyer is telling me to get him the medical records from my family doctor and the hospital I went after the doctor. Am I supposed to do that? No. Really? <laughs> no. Uh, and not because uh, those records are not required. They are. But the lawyer should be requesting those. Uh, this is interesting, uh, Sandra, that he's asking you to do that, uh, or she's asking you to do that. Uh, I, I've seen that. It's not actually common uh, with uh, with personal injury lawyers or, or paralegals uh, asking the client to get those documents for them. Uh, the only exception to that is if we are under a, a time constraint. Uh, for example, I have a case that's going to mediation in July, and uh, you know we, we, we can't get records. Right. If, if we went through our channels, proper channels, it would take too long to get those records that we need, the updated records. Uh, so I will tell my client, you know, do me a favor. Uh, can you speed it up by just calling your doctor right now, telling them to fax us the records? We'll reimburse them. We'll pay whatever is necessary, uh, but we'll do it. That's the only time where I would ask my client to do that. But generally speaking, no, that you should not have to do that. Uh, when you hire a personal injury lawyer, you hire that person to represent you, but not only to represent you in terms of dealing with the insurance company, but to take care of ordering all the necessary records. Uh, of organizing the necessary assessments that are required in order to advance your claim. You should not be put in a position where you're told, go get this for me and this and this and this. So the only thing that I tell my client at the beginning of a case to do is to tell me, who is your family doctor? Uh, you know, what is your OHIP number so that we can create authorizations uh, that allow us to then request the records from the various clinics that they went to, from the hospitals that they've attended, uh, various specialists, etc. But we are the ones, that's, that's why we have a whole team that takes care of that. You as an individual, Sandra, should not actually be doing this. What happens if the insurance company, the other person's insurance company, calls you and says, uh, we'd like some medical records? Yeah, you, you don't do that. Uh, <laughs> no, you, you don't provide them those records. Uh, you know, again, this is something that we see often with people who, uh, especially after this show, when I get voicemails and I talk to people uh, and they tell me, you know, I've been handling my own claim and I've been dealing with the adjuster and I've been signing all these authorizations. And oftentimes, John, I ask them, what have you signed? They have no clue. They don't have copies of those authorizations. And I've seen some of those authorizations. They're, they're blank checks. They're effectively asking for a complete, uh, a complete access to a person's uh, m- medical files. We're talking about going back, you know, decades, when in reality, as part of the claims process, they may be entitled to maybe one, two, three, four, five years worth of records, not for 30 years worth of records. Oftentimes, actually, John, I even see people uh, signing away, the, uh, the, the, um, the, not signing away their rights, but allowing the insurance companies to access uh, income documentation or to contact their employers. Really? Can you imagine? That's yeah, scary. They do that because they have this faith that the person they're dealing with on the other side for the insurance company, oftentimes they're very nice people, of course they uh, are. the adjusters, of course. A- and they think, okay, well, I have to provide this information, and if I do that, it's going to speed up my claim and I'm going to get compensation quicker. 
Not exactly. That's That usually doesn't happen. All it does is it opens Pandora's box. They now have access to all of your medical files, uh, income records, employment records, a variety of other types of records. And uh, it just raises a lot of questions. Less is more. Less is more, exactly. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. If you've got any phone calls, uh, run a bias or help at the insurance lawyer.ca. We talked about, uh, you know, someone leaves the scene of an accident and the steps you should take uh, if you're either, you know, becoming unconscious or become conscious and finally you realize the other guy has gone. How about this? If, if you don't have a police report but were injured, uh, can you still make a claim against whoever was responsible for the accident? You can. And what I'm finding more and more is that uh, police officers at the scene of an accident don't give the people who were involved in the accident copies of the report. Uh, what they do is they give them a, uh, an incident number. And that's okay. That's sufficient for us because if you provide that to us, we then have you sign an authorization. We can get the complete file. Okay. And you don't have to worry about uh, paying for that. Oftentimes, uh, you know, there's an expense associated with that, especially if you want the officer's records, the actual handwritten notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we take care of that. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, if you don't have the police report, you can st- still start a claim. Uh, and, of course, again, if you're dealing with a case where someone fled the scene of the accident, uh, you would have recourse with your own insurance company. Very important for people to understand that they're not left just out there with no safety net. Okay, I was in an accident. How about this one? Not my fault, but wasn't wearing my seatbelt. Well, well, that's uh, first of all, that's stupid. Yeah, I, I can't even get into a car without putting on a seatbelt. But but can I still make a claim for compensation? Yes, yes you can. Eesh. But but that's going to come out. It's going to come out, and uh, you know, I can tell you that other than the fact that. From a medical standpoint, common sense standpoint, uh, you've put yourself at much greater risk for not wearing a seatbelt, you know, despite the fact that seatbelts can injure you uh, as well when you're in an accident. Oftentimes, they reduce the amount of of injuries that you suffer. Uh, The the fact that you haven't worn a seatbelt is going to be taken into account when calculating your damages. That's even for your own insurance company, right? They're going to say, what's wrong with you? Well, well, not? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's probably going to affect presumably premiums. I'm not a broker, so I, I can't really right. speak to that. But I'm assuming that if that comes out, it doesn't bode well for you when no. you renew your, your policy. But with respect to a claim for pain and suffering, for income loss, you know, let's say that you and I were in a car accident. I was at fault, but you were not wearing a seatbelt. Right. You could claim against me. My insurance company will end up paying you uh, whatever compensation uh, you, you're entitled to. But guess what? That compensation, you're going to see a reduction there. There's going to be a reduction of potentially up to 25%. So let's say that your pain and suffering, your damages, let's say your claim is worth $100,000. Sure. That's, that's the check you're supposed to get for your damages. You could potentially see that reduced by up to 25%, by $25,000 as a reduction for the fact that you did not wear your seatbelt at the time. And the logic behind it is simple. Mm-hmm. Had you worn your seatbelt, you may or likely would not have been as injured as you were uh, as a result of the accident. We'll uh, take a short break at some of your phone calls if you want to call through 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Other than that, we have emails to answer as well, so we'll get to those. Savan's direct number, by the way, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. When you're online and you want to know what some compensation as far as pain and suffering is concerned, if you're injured in a car crash or any other type of injury, you go to injurycalculator.ca. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show on the way. Talk radio, name 640. 416-870-6400, star 640. On sell or help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Let's talk a little bit, uh, bounce over to where it's related to uh, employment stuff. So, um, I think of a question for I have with this. What happens if uh, after an accident, difficult working, <laughs> and you get fired? 
Well, then you call my partner. That's right. They are. <laughs> right? Where is he? Uh, you know, the host of the Employment Hour. There's a famous show here. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's obviously going to raise employment issues. And, uh, you know, I've talked about that before, and Lior has as well. A really unique um, uh, thing about our firm is that we do both employment law and personal injury and insurance. And a lot of times, uh, unfortunately, for, for people who are involved in an accident, you have that interplay. But the good thing... Uh, is that, you know, we have your back covered from both angles. And that's very, very important because in a case like this, if you're in an accident, uh, you're struggling with work, Mm -hmm. perhaps you're asking for modified duties, you're asking for some leeway, and the employer, they fire you. They don't know that they can't do that. Clearly, that's illegal. Clearly, that's a breach of the Human Rights Code. Uh, You know, clearly, that's going to raise a lot of employment-type issues and human rights issues. Uh, But, you know, there's also going to be repercussions uh, with respect to your personal injury claim. Uh, and what does that mean? It means that right. you know your claim is now going to be significant on the personal injury uh, side. Now, it doesn't mean that now that you've been fired that you can simply stay at home. I mean, if if you were able to go back to work on modified duties, perhaps, or modified hours, you do have an obligation to try and find another job. So yes, we will deal with your employment matter. We'll deal with your former employer. Don't worry about that. Uh, but you know, you do still have an obligation to try and mitigate your losses, trying to get back on your feet. And, you know, unfortunately, that's that, that's easier said than done, yep. right? I mean, because you are injured. Uh, you know, if you go and seek employment now, you're going to potentially disclose that information, which is going to make you, uh, you know, not such a, an ideal candidate for, right. for employers. Uh, or, or, you know, perhaps you're not going to disclose that. And down the road, the new employer is going to find out and then there may be repercussions as a result of that. So, uh, you know, we can deal with all of these. But the important thing is that if you're in that situation, you give us a call because that's something that we see quite often. People were injured. They were not at fault for that injury. And now they're having issues at work and they have mm-hmm. absolutely no idea mm-hmm. uh, what to do. And, and the answer is very simple. You give us a call because it's not going to be difficult to deal with these issues, uh, but you do need to deal with them sooner rather than later. 416-870-6400-640 on sale as well. Got Joel in Mississauga. Joel, you have a question for Savannah. Go ahead. Uh, yes, sir. How are you? Hi, Good. Joel. Good. Um, I was in, a, in an accident, not at my fault, on the 401. I was really ended. Mm-hmm. And I went to this, uh, somebody recommended me this uh, lawyer. Okay. And I went to him, and uh, every time I go there, oh, okay, we are working on your file, and it's, it's the end of the May will be a year. Right. And I haven't heard anything. A few times they asked some information from my workplace. Uh, they sent a letter to Revenue Canada to ask for my five years of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Income tax returns? Yes. Okay. But they send it to me. I haven't given back to him yet okay. because I'm busy. I have kids, and every uh, when I finish work, I don't have time to see him. Mm-hmm. But right. when I call, I can really get hold of him. So I don't know what. Well, let me ask you a few questions. Uh, first question is, uh, what are your injuries? Um, I had a back and shoulder. I had um, uh, some inflammation in the shoulder. I had a ultrasound. Okay. And uh, what did the what did the ultrasound show? Uh, the ultrasound showed some uh, um, some dust, not tear, but some um, ligament damage. Ligament damage, yes. And then we had a CT scan. Yes. Uh, they show inflammation. Okay. 
And uh, I gave Alex Schaefer. He never asked for anything. I mean, this is time I get all these, these reports, I drop it to him. Okay, second and question. And the paper in that's it. Okay, second question. Has this affected your ability to work? Uh, I am working. I haven't missed any time of work because my workplace is, uh, I'm on a very light duty. Mm-hmm. But I do have, even right now, I'm having uh, pain in my shoulder. I, sometimes I can't even sleep on that side or move my hand. Okay. And, okay. And have you been receiving therapy? I was receiving some therapy, but they cut it off. Right. They cut it off because they probably placed you within the minor injury guideline. The MIG. The MIG. They said uh, you had $3,500 for, uh, for treatments? I have no idea what, okay. uh, because I, it's, it's in a lawyer's hand and I cannot get hold of him. All right. Uh, you can't get a hold of him. Uh, have you I been... Can get a hold of, when I call, but he's busy, and every time I call or leave a message, and then the only time I have to do is just leave, leave, early, leave work early and to go to see him. Okay. And he just say, hi, how are you? Oh, okay, okay, good. Give me this, and okay, we'll work on it. That's it. Well, let me, let me tell you this. First of all, uh, you have every right uh, to get answers here, because if almost a year has passed and you're still struggling with us, and clearly the shoulder injury seems to be significant if you've been referred for, for a CT scan, I don't know what the results are going to show, uh, but... Uh, you know, you would have potentially a claim against the driver who hit you from the back. If yeah, this is on, have, yeah, it's an inflammation, um, inflammation, right. and there was some other stuff in there. I don't have the report on me, yeah. but it showed other stuff. And my family doctor told me not to use the shoulder too much, otherwise you will tear a muscle in there. Right. Okay. Well, my my view is this: first of all, uh, you should not be going back and forth to your lawyer. I mean. In, in my cases, I can tell you that with my clients, unless they really want to come and see me in person, mm-hmm. uh, we can do everything by phone or via email. There's no reason to drag someone, particularly when they have a busy life, they have kids. It's very inconvenient. And on top of that, it seems like uh, this lawyer is not giving you any answers. That's not right. It's possible that he's doing, this lawyer is doing what we discussed at the beginning of the show, which is wait for that one-year mark. Again, a very arbitrary number. Makes no sense to me in a case like this. Uh, because clearly the the injuries are not getting better. They probably plateaued with some treatments. And and John, when he said he was cut off, this is something that we see quite often with right. accident benefits insurers cutting people off, saying uh, either you've reached maximum recovery, which means we don't need to pay for your treatments anymore, uh, or uh, they simply say you've exhausted the limits of what we can give you, the $3,500, so you're on your own now. Again, very important in these cases for the lawyers to really start the claims early on. Because now that the claim, from what I understand, hasn't been started against whoever was at fault for the accident, what is that going to mean? It's going to mean that any resolution is going to be delayed, and there is no reason for that. Now, maybe this gentleman has a claim, a valid claim, maybe he doesn't. Just, just from hearing what he told me here, I can tell you right now that I would start a claim because clearly this is interfering with uh, his daily activities. Uh, it's bothering him to the extent that he went and had an ultrasound, had a CT scan, you know, for people out there, if you have representation, uh, I'm not telling you you should be switching from lawyers to paralegals. In fact, I'm, I'm most often against that. But what I'm saying is that you do have a right to demand answers. And for the lawyer or the law office to say, we're just working on it without giving you some timeline, without giving you some idea of, you know, what does that mean working on it? What is the next step? What is the step after that? What can I expect? Those are reasonable yeah. questions. Information, please. Yeah, like, information. This is just basic information. Yeah. Uh, so by all means, you know, if, if anyone out is, is out there in the same situation, give me a call and we'll have a chat. Within a few minutes, I will be able to tell you exactly where your claim's at. 
and then at least you'll have an idea of what's going on with your case. Of course, if you want the specifics, call your lawyer if you can get a hold of him. Yeah, if he gets back to you. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, the number is easy, 416-216-5910. That's Savan's direct number, help at the insurancelawyer.ca. And anytime, check it out, www.injurycalculator.ca as well. More of the Insurance Injury Law Show coming up right till 1 o'clock, right here on Talk Radio AM 640. 416-216-5910. Yeah, that's Savan's number to get a hold of him directly. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca and also injurycalculator.ca. You want to see what benefits could be uh, in store for you for uh, pain and suffering. That's the uh, the tool you want to use. Now, uh, we were talking before we got to that uh, phone call. And uh, thanks for the call, Joel, by the way. Um, stuff employment-related, really. Now, if, uh, if you can't do the same job, you touched on this about, um, you know, making compensation for you at the workplace. You can't do the same job because of an accident, because of your injuries. Um, can you get compensation from the insurance company for retraining for a different skill or for a different job within the, the workplace? Yes, you can. Um, if, if you're in a situation where you need retraining, you can actually get that from your own insurance company. Uh, and oftentimes when we're dealing in cases where someone else is at fault for the accident, you know, so you're injured, uh, John, and, and somebody caused that accident, uh, you know, even if your insurance company uh, doesn't pay for that, then you have an ongoing claim against the driver who hit you. Uh, uh, you can make that claim as against the other driver's insurer. So the point is that, you know, you do have recourse. And, you know, a lot of times when you're having people, especially in physically demanding jobs, after an accident, they now have problems. They perhaps can't lift as much as they could before. They can't walk as much. They can't stand as much, drive as much. I see that often with truck drivers. You know, they they have to retrain or they have to do something else. That gets taken into, into account when you're making a claim against whoever was at fault for the accident. And that's really where the creative aspect of law comes in. And when I was doing a lot of defense work in the past for insurance companies, I would be quite surprised at at how uh, uncreative, I would say, many lawyers are. You know, they'll go through the motions and they'll make a claim for certain things, but they'll forget other types of of things. So so a very clear example, let's say, uh, you know, you're, you're in a physically demanding job. You're able to go back to that job, uh, but, you know, on, on modified duties, but you're making the same money. So when I was doing defense work in the past, I would have the lawyer who's representing the injured individual effectively agree with me that his client has no no uh, income type loss. In other words, his client's making the same money. Same coin. He's just doing a different gig. Exactly. Yeah. And that's not the way to look. I mean, it was great for my client, for the insurance company. Insurance companies love it when when other lawyers say that, but really that's not the reality. Uh, If this gentleman ever loses his job, he's going to be now disadvantaged in the future because he's more injured than other people who do the same job, which means that he has what's called a loss of competitive advantage in the workplace. Well, how do you put a dollar figure on that? Again, you have to be creative. You have to have the right experts retained. See, the the case the legal case is is like a pyramid you have to build it properly if you wanted to uh you know to rise up if you if you want the claim to 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 uh, get all the compensation that the individual is entitled to and that's a difference sometimes of of tens of thousands of dollars if not hundreds of thousands of dollars when the claim is positioned in a different way we call that in the office the angle what's the angle of the case mm-hmm. every case has an angle and that's not to say that we're trying to uh, uh, you know, pull something over the insurance company's eyes. No, we're not. We're just doing our job, which is to represent as best as we can, as aggressively as we can, and as creatively as we can, our clients claim to maximize the dollar figure. Got about a minute left here. Tell us uh, what everybody should do in the meantime till next week, things they should be aware of, things they should check out possibly. Well, you should be uh, enjoying the beautiful weather that we have. Uh, you should be uh, aware that, uh, you know, obviously the police are out and, uh, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of accidents, unfortunately. We mm-hmm. see that with uh, the long weekends. Uh, if you are unfortunately involved in an accident, uh, just give us a call uh, before, before you do anything with your insurance company, with the other person's insurance company. Give us a call. Make sure that, you know, we give you some information. We can guide you. Uh, if you have been injured, if uh, you're being represented or not represented by a lawyer or a law office, Make sure you, you check out injurycalculator.ca. Uh, it will give you that range that you can expect for your pain and suffering. Uh, and just generally speaking, personal injury, disability, insurance-type disputes, give us a call. It doesn't cost anything to talk, and we can have a quick chat, and you'll know exactly what your rights are. Always do it. That number, 416-216-5910. Outside of show hours, you want to email Savan. Easy. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. And he mentioned the website. Check that out as well, www.injurycalculator.ca. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show right here on Talk Radio AM 640.